From my dining room table on South 1st Street in hard-nosed, open-armed Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are game input methods and controls, tabs versus spaces, brackets and indentation, and the design of shooters. And so, everyone's ready. Let's start. Okay. We're still here in my... Uh, dining room live from Mark's dining room. <laughs> this is Nice Games Club. I feel like it's. I mean, it's pretty chill in the clubhouse, but it's like it's real chill in here. Yeah, yeah, it is. I feel. It's, I feel. Like, I like it. Yeah, our episode with Holly. I was looking at that. We talked for a good while, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, we had a lot to say. I'm like, maybe we just all talked a little slower. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty chill. It's nice and homey. Yeah, almost as though people live here or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got our beverages of choice. Steven, yes. you made tea for you and Martha. I did. And I have what I call, what you call. Oh, devil juice. Devil juice, which is <laughs> Diet Coke and Diet Orange Soda mixed together and swished up and then down my gullet. Yeah. It's real good stuff. I, nobody else likes it. <laughs> it's okay. I've had it. I just like some of the devil juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a statement. I just yeah. made. <laughs> Well, well, no. <laughs> well we, I guess we should get right to it. We have, All right. we have a packed show. We do. Uh, we're going to start off with your topic, Stephen. Yes. It's which is inputs, I'm, controls. I had a hard time things. titling it in the open. Yeah, it's because it's kind of a wide thing. Mm-hmm. I was I, I initially wanted to talk about like controllers specifically. Like, yeah. how do you input? How do you map out your buttons? And you your know, game? your A's, your B's, yeah. your X's. And there's another one. Yeah, one of those things. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but then I also was like, hmm, I kind of want to talk about how to get your controls to feel tight and like mm-hmm. feel purposeful for your game. Yeah. So I wanted to bring out both of those things. Mm. Um, first thing I want to talk about, which is I'm sure a controversial opinion, but I would prefer to play all of my games with a controller if I could. Yeah. Specifically my fancy controller that I got. It's Xbox one controller. It's like 70 bucks, but it's got like a nice wide, uh, control stick, both left and right. Mm-hmm. And then like you can, uh, set the, the, what's it the triggers to be uh like half press or full press and it's got extra buttons in the back if you want to like if you want to be like pro and <laughs> wait is this this isn't the like official elite no it is not an elite this controller is, this I, is like a third party thing I, yeah i don't have it like that <laughs> but yeah it's a, it's a third party thing it's a, a power a controller yeah that i got it's really nice. Okay. That's probably the nicest thing anybody's ever said about a third party controller. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, a lot of times they are not well received yeah the third party controllers but i think this one's really good. is it a wired controller it is wired see that's where i break with you. that's another thing we should oh man because <laughs> wired controllers are superior i mean it's true because they work with everything thank you i mean i guess usb <laughs> <laughs> my brother is rolling his eyes right now because he hates wires yeah and he hates wired controllers yeah but, i just feel like it's been a, over a decade guys <laughs> like but they since they to, become this total standard for controllers they need to get Better wireless things. Like if you're trying to play on PC. Oh, yeah. Especially I mean, like right if they that. went backwards with Xbox One controllers because <laughs> they're like, people are only going to play single player. So we can only allow one Xbox One controller wirelessly connected to this computer because mm-hmm. obviously. Wait, that's not true. With the little dongle, you can have up to eight. What little dongle? The Xbox One dongle. Is it Xbox One dongle? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> See, this is, I just use wired controllers. I don't have this problem. I don't even know all these dongles. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, the Xbox One ones compared to the 360s of yore is yeah. that 
it's just us it's a micro usb so mm. they're wired and wireless which is kind of nice oh but no, you get the little uh, 20 25 dollar. in fact uh, this is actually news last week according to your calendar i think um <laughs> microsoft <laughs> announced um uh, an update to the dongle it's a little, it's smaller now um it's the it, yeah you just if you want to use wireless now okay here's the whole story so xbox one controllers like the xbox 60 before mm-hmm. use a a specific it's not it's just a um, 2.4 gigahertz wireless pretty standard but it's their own implementation so um you can't you it's not bluetooth or anything it's not standard you had to buy the dongle so with the 360 there was a little like puck on a on a eight foot cord remember that yeah yeah that was that was how those ones uh, 360s worked but uh xbox one just had like it looks like a little usb stick okay. and you stick it wherever you want and it's got a radio in it and it's uh oh. it can put up to eight controllers no problem um but recently uh i guess a year ago now um microsoft released an, an updated version of the xbox controller mm-hmm. that was also bluetooth okay so you could connect it to just any laptop in the world um the the xbox wireless like this the, the dongle thing is is better and you can it has a little more reliable okay um but yeah, it's. I mean, really, it's not that. It's not that complicated. Maybe it was that it can't be with Xbox 360 more than. I there's some reason can, why yeah. we can't. There, I had difficulties with the Xbox One controller because they uh, take rumble differently than the Xbox 360 controllers. I think they like cycle through their rumble differently. So when we were when we implemented rumble and Fintas, it was a huge breakthrough because like. We hadn't had Rumble in the game, and yeah. it's so it's so great how much feedback you get. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something you guys should put in your controllers. Is uh, Rumble? I can speak to that as well. It's yeah, when I right? added it to my game, like who boy, it's, yeah. it's a real game now. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um. But anyways, uh, Xbox One reads it weirdly. I can't remember what it was, but I do. Um. With with Fingens, like the Rumble, it would the Xbox One controls would constantly Rumble over and over. Again. Yeah. I in playtesting, I know that you've been guys been having some trouble like tamping that down. Well, we we fixed it. Um, oh, okay. I think it was just we were calling uh the Xbox One's Rumble too frequently, and it mm-hmm. would just they would just stack up, and it would just constantly do it even after you closed the thing. You had to unplug the xbox one or whatever you have to do to get it to shut off yeah yeah it's funny that i'm like really like going on on how great wireless controllers are because my solution is i i have a so um when i'm at glitch and working yeah um i have uh four uh, uh playstation 4 controllers that i i use specifically for uh, working on my game that's the only reason they're there that way i never have to like repair anything to anything else it's kind of i just spent a little extra for some more controllers for that mm-hmm. purpose um and they're bluetooth and then, um, but the thing is, is Bluetooth controllers, like uh, I was just saying about the Xbox dongle, it's great, but it's a, the dongle, like yeah. who wants that noise? Right, right. But, um, the Bluetooth is just not that reliable. Yeah. Like it will, it, it, there's a lot more interference. The communicate, I mean, Bluetooth is a wide ranging protocol for many things. It's for audio, for accessories, for all sorts of stuff. And it's just not as good as the dedicated, like 2.4 gigahertz little wireless dongle. Um, but I still prefer it. I still think it's, I don't want like a, a snaking wires. I don't want long wires and short wires for like when I have players play my game mm. versus when I played at my desk. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, and I sometimes I see your guys' desks just like <laughs> coiled up with this stuff. And I'm like, what are you building a radio transmitter? Like I feel the same way about headphones too. Like yeah? I don't want to have wireless headphones because I feel like, well, I'm probably wrong about that, but I feel <laughs> like the, the um, having wireless headphones will like reduce the quality or something or yeah. like change how I hear the music, which I don't know. Like I said, it's probably wrong, but just feels better same with wired controllers like they just feel more secure to me uh that's i think that's a a little bit in your head i I mean i mean you're not wrong that there's there is milliseconds of difference Mm. right 
um, maybe my game isn't precision enough to like for me to care that much as a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a player, I don't care at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, like fighting game players will always play wired because yep. you know, they don't want there's that way. There's no excuse. Yeah. Right. right. But yeah, I don't know. Just I, I see people with their wired Xbox 360 controllers, and I'm like, you know what? You could be had for cheap, and there's that's that's perfectly fine. But that nobody that enough people don't want to just get the newer ones and like and actually use wireless, and I, I find very strange. <laughs> Although they just it goes back to like usability quickness. Like yeah, I suppose it's just you plug it in and it works, and yeah. you're good. Yep. And also, it's less likely to walk away at a playtest or... There's that. Yes, when I do uh, events, like um, 2D Con is happening soon, right. or it will have passed by the time you hear this. Oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll have our games there. Uh-huh. And um, when I do those, I always have my controllers plugged in, um, mostly so that the batteries don't die. <laughs> but but yeah, so they don't get... Uh, not, I don't know where people are stealing them. I mean, they could if they wanted to, really. Um, it's more that they don't, yeah, they don't get lost. They don't get kicked around or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that... That matters, but that's, yeah. I mean, that's why all controllers are wired and wireless like these days. I mean, okay. So, uh, you know, but then you got to carry separate wires when you can just have a controller with wires in it. But here's the thing. You don't have to carry the wires but with a wired one. You do have to carry the wires. Cause oh, it's okay. <laughs> <a dump. laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, uh, well, this isn't supposed to be the wired versus wireless debate. Anyway. It's a wide-ranging topic. Yes. I, I will argue with you about any of these <laughs> topics if you would like. Well, I want to talk about like how you get how you set up um your controls in your in your game. Yeah. Like like how did you decide what button does what? Oh, sure. Metro Nexus. Real design. Oh, so yeah, you're yeah. asking me now. Okay. Yes, I am. <laughs> um so my game started, I think I've told the story. My game started as a multi-platform aimed kind of thing. So mm-hmm. Um, it was just left, right, and jump is all I really wanted in this game. And that meant uh, uh, for mobile devices is, is really what I was thinking about. Yeah. So, um, but when I, did, when, as I added more features and more concepts and played with more things, I realized, okay, this is going to be just a controller game. That's, and that changed the destiny of it. Um, but in deciding which buttons would be what, um, my first thought was that, oh, I'm not going to decide. I'm going to just have it customizable. Or I'll have different sets, but the and so when you have a multiplayer game, you had you choose your team um, and you chose your control style, and then my my intent. That's what those were. Ah, see, so remembering now. <laughs> so that was, my intent was that I would have a couple of different options for players, so they would have different. So you could like rumble on and off for each player, or different options that you. So these little sub menus. Um, it turned out I didn't have enough ideas on what would be there. And so I just had the one for the longest time, the two control styles. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was perfectly fine with it not being fully explained. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll clean up the way the menus explain themselves a little better. But what ended up happening was people would accidentally switch it and be totally oh. lost and not know. And so if I had done the work to like better explain what the, what that meant to people, yeah. um, you know, visually or in some other way, maybe that wouldn't be as a problem. But what it taught me was nobody needs this. I think I want to have it customizable, but I got, I'm going to bury that in a menu. Yeah. I'm not going to make that like a main feature of the right. thing. And it kind of bummed me out because it was a huge part of my early work in, in, in wiring the game together mm-hmm. was to make all the controls completely agnostic on a software architecture level so that I could have basically a class, which is, um, you know, control style dot whatever. And it would just remap all the buttons and I, it could be triggered at any point in the game. So, and I was like really pleased because uh, the um, the libraries I was using to handle inputs and controls in my game had none of this. And mm-hmm. so I was extending upon it, and now it's just sitting there as oh. this digital code. I'm still happy. I'm happy I made it. Yeah. But I don't, like, I I learned too late, I guess, that it's not relevant. Or maybe I learned just in time. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's it's really important to make sure that your controls are 
well, I, I was about to say it's important to make sure your controls are intuitive, but we didn't really do that, did we, Martha? <laughs> no. <laughs> talking, about, talking about Clawbreaker. Right? Yeah, we're talking about Clawbreaker. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the biggest complaint we have gotten at playtests and and just showing it places people will unsolicitedly say, have you thought of doing the controls different? And like, yes. Yes, we have. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've had that conversation with you. <laughs> like, well, what about, because you, you can't kind of, you kind of can't help it because the game is, it's, 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 it's weird controls on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you have, it's more for crabs than humans. <laughs> That's what it is. But there is w- ways we could simplify it and we mm-hmm. should do a, version so that we can put it on the switch oh yes yes yeah well we had a conversation some time back about what it would take to bring clawbreaker to switch on a on a single joy con and i think i mean you you imagined that there would be a way to do it right like you could pare it down and make it work yeah it would be a challenge but mm-hmm. what yeah. we'd have to do is make you that you would just have to control both arms at the same time with the stick yeah. which would change your people's strategies a little bit i think maybe mm-hmm. but you think? See, if Clawbreaker was a four-player game, it would have a huge impact. But as a, as a two-player game, I think that's probably because you can only be okay. on one side of the crap. Right. It's a two D game, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Clawbreaker is <laughs> uh, a two D crab fighting game where you try to cut the other crab's arms off, and both me and Steven worked worked on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know when we're going to release it. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Yeah. Soon, TM. um but yeah i like it's weird because clawbreaker i find that to be part of the charm the reason why clawbreaker works so well is because the controls are so nonsensical but yet at the same time makes sense in a weird way one of the things i like about that that i think is just a fun thing about the controls of clawbreaker is there's this thing that certain game players do if they want to be super awesome Mm. which is instead of just having your index finger on all four trigger buttons they bring out their middle finger yeah and and like i've tried to do that because it just made logical sense but Mm. it's like i can't get used to it yeah um but that is called the claw yes it is (laughs) and so like i feel like this is the only game where the claw as a as a way to hold your controller makes sense that's amazing (laughs) and i just think that should be part of the marketing (laughs) (laughs) we definitely should um the way that you move in clawbreaker is unintuitive because you use the shoulder buttons to move left and right Mm -hmm. and you use the control sticks to aim your claws and then the triggers um like extend your claws out this is where we um deviate a little bit from claw or what crab cannon i guess crab cannon <laughs> yeah <laughs> you mean reality <laughs> yeah <laughs> that i guess um and that you can ex- you can extend your arm or your claw and uh bring it back yeah, but that's how like, you move and it, it, it was arms before arms it, <gasps> it was wow okay. it totally was it was i didn't even think wow we're suing <laughs> 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 nice game clubs go to cards <laughs> um, don't bring me into this <laughs> Okay. It's Clawbreaker Incorporated can file this. <laughs> yes. Team Claw. Team Claw. Yes, Team Claw. We'll go to court. <laughs> but anyways, like that game works because I find it it works because of the controls. Yeah. Um, but like other games, sometimes they just have finicky controls or um confusing controls. And maybe it's on purpose. Uh mm-hmm. like Brother of Tale of Two Sons, you're supposed to control the two brothers and you use the two separate control sticks to move um the two brothers separately. And they have two action buttons separately, but it feels extremely awkward for me. And I could just never get into it or never fully understand how to move my character. Well, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of games that are innovative Mm -hmm. in their controls 
suffer from the fact that they are not normal controls. Yeah. That's very self-evident, yeah. but it also is kind of a tragedy because Clawbreaker is one of those where it's like, it works because it's weird like that. Yeah. And it works partly because it's like ridiculous. Yeah. It is also alienating because of that. Right. And there's kind of just no way to square that circle. And, and uh, brothers is like that as well. And then what I was thinking of is um, star Fox zero. Oh, right. Um, which uh, I, I, I bought, I only played maybe half Martha. You probably played more of it here at my house than I did when I when you played it that one time. You didn't like it. I don't think. No, I no. did not. And that's, that's where you, it's a Wii U game where you hold the game pad and it be, the game pad is your first person view. And the TV is a third person view. And it's, I mean, it's utterly inscrutable. And that's part of what's what makes it work. But like nobody, I mean, that's not a very well reviewed game. And mm-hmm. in great part in uh, due to those controls yep. being like unnecessarily confusing. Right. It's like a it's like a catch 22 in a way. It's like you want to do something interesting and different. And but at the same time, if players can't intuitively get it without uh, the annoying process of relearning muscle memories and stuff, mm-hmm. then like they'll just never have a chance to, to unlock its charm. Yeah. And so that's kind of frustrating a little bit. Yeah. And I think as a designer, you kind of, when you want to think about innovation in there, it's really easy to get scared away from it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you need to change how your game works just because of however your game is designed, but because you, you don't want to bump against like tradition because players will just get frustrated after trying your game out if they don't understand it in within a few minutes. Most of the time people just go with the, the, the traditional method. But I mean, like it doesn't always work like, like Mark, you have, platforming and also shooting yes so my game i wouldn't say it's hard to control but i think coming off of it cold or coming to it cold Mm -hmm. um it's not the most approachable thing i'm pretty comfortable with that fact but it's definitely something that's true there are some things that are non-standard but I feel people get it. I'm, I think from playtesting, people seem to understand it. Um, it is, it's not as approachable as other games, right? but I, but that is the thing I'm okay with. Like I'm okay, okay with it being mm-hmm. a little bit, an extra hiccup on your way to, to figuring it out yeah. in service of those controls mattering to the mechanics. Like I think if I were to just have a, a, a single, like a fire button, like I've had some of those things suggested to me and yeah. I'm like, no, I think to give you full control and to deepen the experience, I kind of want it the way it is. Um, and hopefully I haven't strayed too far from the standard, like approachable path. Right. Even I, if it's I, just a step off into I the grass. I think your game is fairly approachable. Okay. It, 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 like, I think that in general, people get the platforming at the very least. They might yeah, not pick up on true. the shooting, but it's not always the most important thing. I did work very hard. I mean, the jump is just, you know, a right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, uh, notwithstanding my previous control scheme scheme, mm-hmm. but, um, I did work very hard to make that feel, uh, like so there's no learning required there like if you yeah. have played platformers you know how to jump in my game yeah you've improved jumping in that game quite a bit i yes. remember when it first was it was extremely floating and i felt like i was stuck in whatever movement i was whenever i picked it and now it feels a lot better yeah i mean there were it's funny like the improvement on that went in fits and starts uh-huh. like it started out pretty i mean i think most platformers when you start working on them are kind of like parabolic floaty yeah. you know not very interesting um uh of course we've talked we might talk about it on the show before but like there's uh, talks at gdc about right. like jump arcs like there was a couple that was just so fascinating the way like yeah, mario yeah. works or super beat the one works. i wanted to bring up does you say jump i say how high it was mm-hmm. gdc sock i saw a couple years back mm-hmm. i cannot remember who did it was that the poster talk uh it was yeah that's that's the one I'm thinking. Yeah, of too. yeah, yep, yep. yeah. Like I, that taught me a lot, and um, uh, just how to approach it. You know, mm-hmm. like what what the vocabulary of designing a jump is, um, and that really, I mean, within months, then my game really improved. Yeah. Just, just from just that one little lesson that I yeah, learned. At GDC. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of bumped up on controls a little bit. 
there's a character in the, uh, in the game named Sparky who Sparky <laughs> Martha's favorite <laughs> who I love Sparky yeah Sparky's <laughs> cool uh, but she has two gadgets she's unique in that she has two gadgets that you can har- you can hold up and charge we had a very difficult time trying to get people to uh, charge up their abilities um, we tried like putting a delay on it so that like you had to charge it up for a like a brief second mm-hmm. that didn't work. We tried switching it so that if you press the button, it would start to charge and you press it again to end the charge. That didn't work uh, because Sparky has a teleport move and like you, you want that to feel as good as possible. And so yeah. like the tap twice to teleport felt horrible. Oh yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got rid of that. Um, eventually we just decided it was just hopefully People will figure it out. We try to give as much feedback as possible to make sure that people uh, see it. So there's like visual and rumble feedback whenever mm-hmm. players initiates the charge, but we just let, um, let it loose and see if people uh, pick up on it. Uh, yeah. yeah That's one of those things that this is the thing I believe like mm-hmm. it's, I don't have a lot of evidence to show for this, but like as a designer, I feel like you have to give some, you have to put some faith in the players that even if, like many of them or most of them won't figure it out. That doesn't make it a bad design choice. Mm-hmm. And like, it, you know, situationally, you, you, these are sacrifices you choose to make, right? Like it plays better this way, even if it's going to be a little harder for the player to learn. Yeah. And so I'm going to take that hit. Right. And if I'm going to, I'm going to put tips and tutorials and I'm trying to explain it and do all this stuff and I'm going to do the best I can. And even if it isn't totally successful, it's still worth it for the, the strength of this mechanic once you know how it works. Yeah. Um, I, like, I feel like there's a lot of, of like, um, sort of, um, uh, absolutism about some of these things. Okay. Like, if they can't figure it out, then you are just wrong. And like, that's mostly true. But I think there are times when you have to sort of have, you know, and I think that's the case. Like, I don't really like Sparky's my least favorite character in Vengeance. But, that's fire. But mechanic, <laughs> mechanically, yeah. it is a lot better than it used to be mm. um, in terms of how you play uh, that character. Uh, she's not as intuitive as the other players to pick up. Um, but it, and you guys kind of know that. Mm. But that but you're happy with that. Like, that's OK. It's so, yeah, right. it's okay that some characters are hard, harder to pick up on than other characters. Yeah. We just want to make it as easy uh, as approachable as possible. Right. Most of the time. Uh-huh. There's, you know, some characters that are less, yeah. much less approachable, but we're not going to talk about them <laughs> right now. Well, how do you feel about that? Like the, the, my, my belief that like sometimes you just have to, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree that like sometimes it's just for, for the, for the sake of the game and like I, I come from a fighting game background and so sometimes you just need complicated <laughs> inputs because you just, there's right. just not, there's only so, so nothing many has to make sense. <laughs> well, no, things should make sense. Uh, that's why I prefer like smash to other fighters is because the controls are much more intuitive. Uh, most of the time. Right. Uh, and they're roughly the same between yeah, characters. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's easy to jump between Bowser and Mario, whoever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like in street fighter stuff, they have different um, inputs for different supers and things. And so yeah. you have to learn a new thing every time, which is, frustrating but it also differentiates the character so there's there's trade-offs but regardless mm-hmm. uh, i do agree that um sometimes you just have to make a sacrifice uh for approachability in order to make this feel as good as possible mm-hmm. um but what about like having your characters feel tight in, in movement and things mm-hmm. how did you how did you get to that point in metro nexus i know that we had we talked about the gdc talk yeah 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 in my game you, you when you turn around yes it's like a uh, about a half second it takes your character to turn around and it's I animate that turn so um, unlike most platformers where you can stop on a dime mm-hmm. mine doesn't work that way and that's so there's some risk reward about when you're approach, approaching a platform like 
um, and because the levels loop on themselves, if you go past screen right, you come out screen left. Yeah. So there's these moments where you have to decide, like, am I? Can I make this jump, or do I have to? And because turning around, just then you just start wobbling a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, all that's by design, but it very much frustrated a lot of players early on, and that took a lot of tweaking. And I think that was really just trial and error. Like I would shorten it to yeah. the point where people wanted it to be like a little faster yeah. and then people liked it, but like I, they weren't playing as well. And so I'm like, no, I got to go back closer to what I wanted, but it was just, it's just a lot of tweaking. Yeah. And I, I guess that's kind of true of everything. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of tweak it until it feels right. And it's less about working towards a goal and more about like having a vision that you, how you want it to work mm-hmm. and, but being open to like, um, uh, subverting it just a little bit yeah and that's kind of where i got with it um, I gotcha. uh, there's a change i made just recently actually where when you jump in my game it starts a jump animation and um but you can turn while jumping and it's the same process um so the the turn it, it just the animation kind of jumps a little bit and mm-hmm. it's always been kind of weird mm-hmm. so i developed a, a system so that i could i could arbitrarily choose which frame to start you know an animation on and so just quickly i'm like you know what i'm gonna see how this looks if I start the turn animation about four or five frames into the turn while it's jumping, so then it will line up a little better mm. and sort of look better. And what ended up happening was it made the turn feel even shorter, oh. even though it was not any shorter. Yeah. And so it, it, you feel like you have more control in the air than you did before. And I was worried it would give you player wrong information. Mm-hmm. Like it would feel like the turn would go too quick, but you wouldn't actually work that way. And so it would give the player wrong impression. Right. Um, but it turned out to be a little happy accident. And that was a very recent thing. Okay. Um, so it, a lot of times it's just like fiddling with the knobs and dials and levers the trick is knowing when it's better right. and not knowing, you know what right. I mean? Like sometimes where, it's just different mm-hmm. and not better. That's where playtesting comes in. Yeah. And I think it's, it's the, the balance between feedback and then your, like your idea. Yeah. Like, what do you want from it? Because if you just decide, I'm going to play test it until all the players like it, well then it's just going to drift away from your idea. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep them, if the balance all that out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree. Um, I know that, uh, the developers in super meat boy, they spent like six months. Mm hmm. Uh, figuring out out how the the game should feel before they they even started really developing on levels and things. Yeah, yeah. How about keyboard controls though? Like we haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> yeah, well, you and I are not interested in that. <laughs> oh, I mean, we want to put it on Steam eventually. So we have to be interested in that. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't focused on it much at all. Uh, Martha, you play a lot of keyboard keyboard games, right? Yeah. Then PC games. PC. <laughs> all the um, way enlighten us like what what do you got to watch out for like yes. what, what's what what makes a good um i don't really know what to look for in a control quality on a pc game generally um generally it's good to have it super customizable because uh, everybody likes to have their own whatever uh sure sure whenever i and I, I have a problem when i play pc first person games that use wasd like E is the standard action button. Yeah, in a lot of games, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't handle that. <laughs> like, I don't, like which which finger do I use for that? Like, I don't get it. Use like, your use index it. finger, I guess, but it's busy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know it. It doesn't feel right to me either. Yeah. I just like I said, I would play all games with a controller if I could. <laughs> Literally, I would play League of Legends if somebody developed controller setup for that. Yeah, yeah, with a controller. I don't know how to do that, but like. But then you'd miss the click, 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 click. Oh, yeah, that's the best part of the clicking. Yeah. Um, There's this really interesting game I saw, and I don't know what it was called. Uh, And I don't remember where I saw it, so we're not going to be able to put very much in the show notes about it. (laughs) But it was this game where, I think it was an experimental sort of thing, where 
the game board or like the game area was the keyboard mm-hmm. or like oh. each each um, yeah I've, I've, I saw I saw this too yeah yep. yeah each each key on the keyboard was like was your directional thing so you're like go here go here like by you're not it was a fancy. point and click game you played on your keyboard yeah yeah, yeah. It, so that that's a cool alternate keyboard setup. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it reminds me of like, you know, if you are designing a controller game as we both are, mm-hmm. um, or I mean, imagine uh, Clawbreaker on a keyboard. That seems like oh, a, a special there challenge. Are, there are keyboard controls. Well, I mean, you put but, them in for debugging, right? Because that's that's a thing you're always thinking to do. Yes. You're a smarty. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also because uh, Macs have problems with uh, Xbox 360 controllers oh, sure, uh, sure. and Xbox one controllers, I guess. But like I have, I have uh, keyboard controls in Metro Nexus for player one. Like it, it just so I can test without a controller if I need to. And it's pretty basic, but like I, it got me thinking like, well, I am going to have to ship keyboard controls and this is just for my purposes. I have not really done the hard work of like mapping like the, um, the right stick aiming right. Uh, to a keyboard. And yeah. I was like, well, I guess I could just do that with a mouse. And I'm like, I don't know that doesn't really feel right. And what if you have, what if you want multiple players on a single keyboard, which is something I'm interested in, uh-huh. then do I just make keyboard controls limited? Like it doesn't seem right either. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, toss- I'm tossing with that constantly. I'm scared to go back and fix the. We have keyboard controls and fingers, but I'm scared to go back and fix them because they're not good now. <laughs> um, and I don't know what I'm going to do to make them better right i'd have to talk to i'd have to talk to you martha maybe you can play them and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. test them out yeah i'll be your play tester yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny a lot of the community that we're around at glitch mm-hmm. many of us i think this is my guess i might just be wrong i might be wrong but i feel like more people are like you and me steven than are like you martha and so i feel like we forget that we should be play testing with like mouse and keyboard people yeah <laughs> you know no i'm like that yeah, that's that's not something I don't I don't think about it very often. Yeah, well, unless I need to test and I don't have my controller on hand, then I'm like, why did I make these controls? <laughs> <laughs> um, what about our alternative controllers? Have you ever considered like, I guess in general, most games just work because we most games are designed to work with the controllers that we have now, either keyboard yeah. and mouse or um, uh, the standard Xbox or whatever controller. Mm-hmm. But like, there's alternative alternative controllers such as the ones that are shown at ddc and things yeah um do those interest you have you ever considered branching out and making your own kind of controller not particularly yeah uh, partly because i think the metaphor of a controller is something that doesn't need to be broken i think a lot of times um control uh control that all whatever the gdc showcase thing. yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah at gdc when they show these things um they're i think that controls themselves are very innovative and have a different kind of abstraction mm-hmm. and so I, I i like those a lot but there'll be some what was the one um uh butt sniff and pugs yeah was the one that was an indicate yeah and it is it's um like there's a, a stuffed animal uh, in front of you and you're meant to actually put your nose into it and like it's supposed to be more dire- and that there's some comedy there and that's the point but i feel like or, or even like a racing wheel in a racing yeah. game where yeah. it like con- uh, controls are meant to be more specifically tied to the content of the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't, I just don't think any of that's necessary. Mm. And I, I think it's kind of like, um, uh, it's like a level of immersion. It, it's what it is, is it's designers not trusting players to, to, to sort of get all the way there. Mm. Does that make sense? I think maybe people just want people to sniff pugs butts yeah <laughs> alternate or, or uh, counterpoint uh-huh. 
Uh, what about stuff like Rock Band? Yeah, see, that's, that, well, that makes sense. Because I've been thinking, like, the one alternate controller thing that I've thought of is, like, somehow, because I would love to have some sort of music game where you actually play a tin whistle or something yeah. and learn Ooh. Irish music and stuff. Because uh-huh. that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and trying to figure out how to do that. So that's one of the things I've thought of. It's, like, musical instrument controllers would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's a that's a really good counterexample because I I quite like rock band. I, I particularly I like drums because they just feel like playing drums, mm-hmm. and I'm not interested in playing a rhythm game where I'm tapping buttons on a controller. So that's a good yeah. I do that's my view does not extend to that. I suppose, but that said, there are music games that are played with actual guitars. I think those are bad. Um, so I guess it's really just conditional, or I'm a hypocrite. It's one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Because DJ Hero would not be nearly as fun if you weren't actually turning the turntables. Yeah. What? If, but if what if they were like proper ones and twos? Like, oh man, I don't know. That'd be hard. <laughs> That'd be cool though. Yeah. But hard. Maybe it's like you like alternate controllers if they're like something kinesthetic to the game. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. immerses you in. I'm doing DJ motions. <laughs> right, but not like literally having to actually do it. Because I, I mean, like. All video games are set are are, are basically abstraction. Like yeah. when you press the jump button, you're not the one doing the jumping. Right. Um, but like if you get to the point where like you are literally playing a guitar, like you were saying, Mark, it it you might as well just be playing a guitar, I guess. So it doesn't it doesn't feel right. No, that's not my objection exactly. Yeah. It's more uh, in that example. It's more that like that is not a better game controller. Sure. Like I'm, I wouldn't have any more. Fu- if I want to learn how to play guitar, it's actually a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Um, Rock Band 3 had a mode for that. And Rocksmith is another one that, um, and those have this purpose. But in terms of like, like feeling like you're playing a rock and roll game mm-hmm. or like the fantasy of being on stage, it is not improved by making it a higher fidelity controller. Yeah. Um, uh, drums. I, for some reason that might be different. It might just because drums are a fairly simple input. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, you can't abstract it much. Hard. It's already just hitting things. So it's just one big button. Yeah. <laughs> that you hit with a stick. Yeah, exactly. Or not as opposed to when you, the, that um, bongo game. Oh yeah. Like Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. <laughs> yo, oh, that was a fun game. Well, what was the Donkey Kong jungle beat? Was yeah, a platform, that was great. A platformer played with the, the Kong controllers. That game was so fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That Brian, team then went on to do Mario Galaxy. So that's yeah, a sign of how good I left that, that game to a friend and I never got it back. <laughs> which was unfortunate. But yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy how like because I didn't play that with a I know you could play it with a controller and I think it was like more intuitive. Yeah. I use air quotes here, <laughs> but like it probably was more intuitive. Uh-huh. But like it felt really good and like the whole the the, the the whole game of that, like what you were really supposed to do is you're supposed to get as many combos as possible because the more combos you get the more bananas donkey kong gets because video games yep uh battle tracks (laughs) and like it was really fun trying to get the highest combo as possible and it felt good like doing that with the bongos it it worked really well yeah yeah it's crazy that reminds me of a a game that i didn't mention in our racing games which i should have was kirby air ride because that's like one of my favorite (gasps) yeah i loved Pretending to play that game in Nintendo Power. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's two episode callbacks in like just between you just now. That's pretty good. Oops. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, yeah, but Kirby Air Ride is unique in that it was a racing game where you only use a control stick and the A button is the only buttons you did. Uh, Kirby's um, Warp Star. The Warp Star uh, would automatically move forward and you could press the A button to break. 
And sometimes you could press the A button to do what's the word contextual, contextual actions. Mm-hmm. But in general, you would just move forward and A button to break, and you could charge like up. You could charge up a charge. It was like a drift button sort of thing too. Mm. But it only had those two buttons, and it really worked well to me. It yeah. felt good. Like I, I, I really wish they would make or put it back on the Switch or make a second one or something because sure. I really like that game. Controls are just so important because if you if you if you don't if you don't do it right, then people are just going to be turned off to your from your game. But if you do yeah. it well, then people will remember that. Yeah, I think that's. It's funny if you say if you don't do it right, mm-hmm. but then you then say if you do it well. I think doing it well is should be the watchword. I think. Yeah. I I, I would warn against because we talked about it earlier. I, I would warn against people like doing the object objectively wrong thing. Sure. Sure. Um. It's uh, you. As a designer, you set the standard by which you will succeed or fail. Yeah, and and in controls, probably it's probably never more true than it is with the computer human computer interaction mm. part of it. Yeah, there isn't necessarily a wrong way to do it. Right, but but you can do it poorly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, we're now we're here to our second topic, which yes. is mine about coding styles. Woo! This is one thing I've wanted to talk about this since we started the show. Yeah, <laughs> just because it, I find this. I mean, we. If you're a programmer, you uh-huh. spend most of your time typing and, and, and this. And what ends up happening is you spend a lot of time thinking about formatting and layout and code aesthetics. And, and then inevitably, your code meets somebody else sees it. And it's like, oh, you do it that way. And then, all, then it's just all bets are off. And yep. It's arguing and yep. debating and mm-hmm. explaining why this or that. Or, um, and this so is we, why I have boxing gloves around the office <laughs> in case this comes up. <laughs> So I thought we'd talk a little bit about, um, you know, just some definitions, because I think, you know, anyone listening who is uh, doesn't feel like they have a lot of programming experience, but does programming. I think this is definitely one of those examples where of a topic where many people feel um, uh, that they have they don't have enough experience or knowledge about. Um, but the truth is, is that if you've done a little bit of coding, you know, almost all you need to know about this. Mm. Um, and so you maybe just don't know the terms and stuff. So we'll get into that. We'll talk, I want to talk about to you guys about what styles you choose and why um, and where you pick them up. So uh, start off with just some basic stuff like, um, you know, when you're writing code, a lot of the debates are about indentation, bracket styles, and like the use of white space. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, what that means when you write a program. So when you're, you know, when you're coding, um, white space, spaces, tabs, line breaks, for the most part, your compiler does not care. Um, you can put as many or as few of them as you want. There's a couple of languages that that actually that does matter uh-huh. because indentation uh, defines code blocks like an if statement or you know or a, a, a function block or any of that stuff. Yep. Um, but pretty much any language you're probably using that's not an issue. So it becomes all down to like how you want it to look. Uh, a for loop. Uh, you have your you know you have your definitions at the beginning. Right. Uh, you know do you put spaces between your uh, variable and your and, your, and your, uh, the value um, uh, when you have an operator in between? So like uh, foo equals zero or foo space equals space zero. Like you should put spaces in between. I think so too. Okay, good. Um, but you know, at the same time, <laughs> I mean, th- these are like these are utterly arbitrary in, uh, in many right. ways. There's certain there's debates about readability, and I just kind of yeah. I mean, I, uh, we'll walk through a couple of these, and then I then I do want to fight about them. Like yeah. I don't know how much we disagree about any of these things because there are. I think most people there's about 70% of this stuff that is just done by everybody. And then there's 30% where you do it differently from everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's pretty much how it is for most people. Um, but uh, uh, things like the, so bracket styles, this mm-hmm. is one thing that I think um, is, 
I could see the arguments for both sides of this sort of thing, but I do it one way and I like it, but I can't argue for it. Um, so when you do brackets, so you, you define a new function yep. or, or an if statement or for loop, yep. do you put the bracket on the, uh, on the line, on the uh, um, definition line where you've defined, or do you put the bracket on the next line, the opening bracket? Definitely on the same line as yeah. the definition. Yep. That's what I do. Okay. I think, um, Martha, for you, that might be because that's JavaScript standard. Like most JavaScript uh, uh, developers well, do that. Also, I just think it's more intuitive. Like it makes it makes it easier for me to read the code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I do that as well. Okay. Um, and it's interesting because people come to it in different ways. And a lot of times I will get, um, I'll get like a new text editor and it will have like uh, default settings and they'll be wrong. Oh, yeah. And I'll be like, huh, I wonder what other people see these settings and just adopt them. Right. Hmm. Because I feel like mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure that I uh, put the bracket on that line because I through, you know, I really decided that's how I wanted it. That's just how I started programming. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I now quite prefer it that way, but uh-huh. it might just be from experience. Um, I think the argument I would make is that um, too much like too much white space is frustrating, I think. Well, it's um, like a like how you're like a design of the page. You want things like your heading to enclose everything. There's this, I can't remember in the vocabulary from like web design stuff, but it's like the flow of the page and stuff. Mm-hmm. To me, that's it directly translates to how my code looks Yeah, because I'm like, I want any, everything that has to do with this one thing to be enclosed in this one thing. And then like, you can very, very clearly see like that this label is attached to this thing. Yeah. Because I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I feel, I feel the same way because a bracket, a single bracket on a line is as good as an empty line. Yeah. Yeah. In, in terms of when you're scanning through a page. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I'm prepared to make many arguments, but I, I just, I've always done it that way. I've never been challenged on it in my own thing. So I, I mean, I don't know. Well, you normally write your own code on your own thing, right? Like there's nobody you have to compete with to get it in a certain way. Right. <laughs> Adia uh, <laughs> does the, Adia does the line thing, and me and her work together. Yeah, and so when we end up on it, working on each other's code, I'm just like space. You always Yeah, no, yeah, Stephen, you're right. I've uh-huh. I've not worked on many collaborative projects that are not game jams. In which yeah. case, nobody cares what your code oh, style yeah. is. Do what you want <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's free um, for all. But yeah, definitely when I when I download. Um, uh, um, just uh, sample code that I want to sort of copy and paste and modify. Yeah. I will go through and stylize it my way. You know, okay. which I think everybody does that. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a couple, it's so funny how you'll learn that there are like brand new ways of people doing these things mm-hmm. that you would never consider. So mm. earlier today I was looking up cause I'm like these code styles must have names, right? So the one we're talking about that we like is called uh, K and R. Um, I, I should have looked up what those stand for, um, but that's pretty standard. It's comes from um, C and it, it, it actually what it, the actual style is that you put the um, open bracket on the defining line uh-huh. for everything except functions and classes in which case you put it on the next line. And I was like, that's sort of confusing. It's a weird mix, but yeah. functions, methods, functions, and classes are usually larger than those other blocks. So I kind of get it. Um, and then there's the alternate style called Almond, which just has this, the bracket on the next line for, for all cases. Um, but what's weird is I, can't, I couldn't find, maybe my research uh, muscle is not good. I couldn't find a name for when you never put the bracket on the next line, which which I think we do, and I, I right. think most people do. I think um, a lot of people do, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, 
anyway, I found that very strange. But looking at this article, I will post the wiki that I found a Wikipedia article. There's like 10 different ways to do this that are not. I mean, there's hundreds of ways, really, if you wanted to. But there are 10 different ways that have names. And some of them are bonkers. It's really crazy. This is for indent style. Uh, this is for uh, brackets, bracketing, just brackets. Yeah, just where you put the brackets. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. There's a style called a uh, uh, pico um, or nano. It's one of those um, where you put the uh, the defining line. Then on a new line, you put the bracket, and then you indent, and then you start your first line of that block. Uh. So the bracket is on the same line as the as the first piece of code, and then the last line of the of the block ends with your semicolon to end that line okay and then an indent and then your close bracket okay so it's kind of like the worst of both worlds i don't know there's a bunch of different strange ways to do it um and also on on twitter this week uh somebody posted um something like i don't care what style you use just don't use this oh yeah which was uh we'll put that in the show notes Uh but it was where you have all your code written as if there were no brackets at all and then you put all the brackets like uh tab (laughs) delineated on the right side of of the screen it would. I mean, it's such a. It's so brittle. It's so crazy. Oh, it's yeah. Like, I was looking at that. That just looked. Atrocious. I run into code like that. Really? Oh man. Yes. Oh my word. Was this like? Is this horror stories from um, uh, Prime Academy? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where I saw it. Yeah. But I immediately. Fixed you blocked it. out. You remember immediately. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of example code I was looking at. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it is funny when you find it, like uh, example code written by people who don't know that they don't do things the way other people do. Or maybe it was at my job. I don't remember. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll post that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's an example of things like um, um, that one in particular is uh, code aesthetics, like a vertical alignment. So a lot of people, when they do like two dimensional arrays, mm-hmm. they'll tab out each column. So it'll kind of look like a spreadsheet. Oh, I sometimes do that. But only if I know if I feel like I'm not going to come back and fiddle with it all the time, yeah. because it's it's uh, it's brittle. It is um, it's it gets screwed up a lot. Okay, um, and it's very annoying. That seems weird to me. I guess in general, uh, most of the time, if I'm going to do some kind of an array, it's in Unity, and so I can just use the um, inspector. They just co- type in my stuff, and I don't have to format uh, it in the code. See, that's the difference between <laughs> you and me. I suppose. Yeah, I mean. I can understand. No, but yeah, that's the thing is when yeah. you when you don't have a, like a UI, right. you make your own UI. Yeah, and it's it's irresistible to like, especially when you're like uh, for, um, formatting comments. Mm-hmm. Um, or a lot of what a lot of people do is if right. they have a comments. huge if they have a huge list of variables uh-huh. or um, or properties on, in an object, uh, you will you will tab align all of the values. Um, so you'll have something equals you know tab tab whatever. That, so so they'll all appear in a vertical line which can be easy to read as you scan through it but it takes forever to set up mm. um and but i i sometimes i can't help myself but i try to i try to only do it when it is of like specific value to me when i have a lot of data to parse through for example that i have to come back to frequently yeah but don't have to change that much yeah um i don't know would you guys ever spend time fiddling i mean you don't it seems steven because you just ha- well, happy to I, handle it somewhere I fiddle else with the with the organization of like where i put the variables and stuff because yeah. uh that all um changes how the order fits in the inspector right so i will format it because sometimes you go back into the code and you have to add more variables or remove variables sure. or whatever it is um and so i'll make sure that like my like health values are in the same area and i'll give it a little header so it shows up in the in the inspector correctly and i'll mm-hmm. make sure like movement values in a separate space and other things like that yeah uh, so i do i do format it in 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 some ways okay yeah 
I don't know. Uh, I do. Yeah, I, I try to make sure that things are aligned as best as I can give them to. Yeah, yeah. I'm a very f- uh, futzy person in general about <laughs> aesthetics, uh-huh. and so I, I'm. I have to watch myself to like make sure I'm not spending a lot of time. Ah, uh, yeah. Doing that. Okay. Um, I try to stay logical about it. Like I don't. I I will. I feel pretty good. I don't over engineer the look of the thing, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll be like, it's got, I'll spend too much time on the little thing that yeah. I want to f- uh, make. Look. It's, it is kind of a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, well, okay. If you're coding all of this stuff yeah. and you're spending months doing this code, yeah. you're going to come back to it and the code frustrates you to come back to it. You're not going to want to go back to it. That's true. I am eight months later when I come back to something I haven't seen in eight months yeah. and it looks all nice and tidy. I am, quite thankful to my right? past self so I know. Oh, okay maybe I'm, hard I'm, myself. J- I'm oftentimes very thankful that lane puts comments in it because i don't put comments in my code i'm sorry <laughs> whoa i'm sorry i'm really bad i didn't even put that on the outline because like who doesn't put comments in their code people who forget do it <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad yeah but i generally forget to put comments in my code yeah and so i'll go back to it and i'm like what the heck does this value even mean <laughs> and then like lane's code is all nice and formatted uh-huh. it's got comments on separate things he doesn't have comments on it and sometimes when he defines variables they're kind of weird but we we'll get talk, into that we next. can talk about yeah. that later uh <laughs> but like um yeah his 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 code is just generally it's very it's very readable. it's pleasing it's, it's pleasing readable yeah eye. i think that's important it is um it's also it it helps organize your thoughts mm-hmm. too sometimes when you when you sort of take some time to do that yeah um i've learned to be sloppy first and come back and fix it later and mm-hmm. that's a that's a skill you need as a programmer but um um, I don't know. I, I, I'm self-conscious about it, I guess, but I, I, it is important. Yeah. Um, Martha, do you, I mean, do you waste a lot of time doing that? Uh, I wouldn't call it wasted. Uh-huh. I do a lot of HTML code. Yeah. Um, which is just messy from jump. Yeah. So yeah. I spend a lot of time, uh, tabbing and making sure it's all like super readable and stuff. Yeah. And then like I use a lot of the times this, uh, html engine thing called or library thing called jade or now now it's not called jade it's called pug now because they mm-hmm. lost the rights or like the <laughs> copyright thing with the name jade but anyway it compiles to html or something um but it's all tab based oh. so you don't have to write any of the open h1 bracket close oh, yeah, h1 yeah. bracket you yeah, just markup write, languages are frustrating because yeah. there's just so much webbing uh so so what you can do is you can just write h1 space oh, thing okay t- uh, new line da, 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 da. Ah, and that sounds like that's the um the formatting of that is is specific yeah so you don't really get to make a lot of choices which is probably good right it takes the weight off of you yeah because it so has I guess to be not, a certain way that's not a, really what we were talking about but <laughs> it's interesting I, I like that because it forces that yeah 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 no, when I have to do HTML, I get real, I get it, all my worst instincts come out because HTML is so ugly. I mean, it's, it's good. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just like, it's not code. It's markup. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a difference. Yeah. And it's, I want it to, I want it to be readable like code and it never is. And I, I can't handle that. I just can't handle it. Well, I spend a lot of time when I'm going like before I can start solving problems in the code, uh, when I'm working on other people's code. I will, uh, especially if it just has gotten somehow all non-indented, yeah. I will spend the time to go indent all of the things because otherwise yeah. it's just too hard to find, figure out what's going on. Right. One, <laughs> one thing that's specific to HTML drives me crazy 
is HTML documents open with an HTML open tag and close with an HTML close tag. Do you indent your entire document inside yes. those tags? Yes. You do. Yes. See, I do too, but I feel like uh, that's terrible, right? <laughs> that I might <laughs> do that because it's just every line starts with at least one tab, no matter what, because everything is inside the HTML tag. Yes, but it makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> it just feels silly. Because when I see generated HTML code that applications generate, very frequently it will omit um, the indentations after the HTML tag or the header tag or the body tag because they're just so big and like it's kind of obvious. And I'm like, it doesn't look right to me. No, yeah. I'm, gla- I'm glad we're on the same page on that. It's Because it's, I, I feel crazy when I go in and, and take everything and indent it one more time just to make it so that it's it is correct you know well it's you're taking away one of the nests yeah you take away the biggest uh, what's it called those nesting dolls mm. what are they called <laughs> they're called nesting dolls yeah i know but there's a name in russian or russian whatever. nesting dolls no no they're called <laughs> put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i want to hear martha work her way through it <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally looking it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we are doing that. We can move on a little bit. One thing that gets on my nerves, yeah, um, with indents is when like you're typing up a thing and then you like delete an indent and then if the indent is wrong for this function or whatever it is you're trying to do, mm-hmm. I will because uh, my my stuff autocorrects. I'll go in and I'll delete a bracket and put the bracket back in so it autocorrects all the indents and it oh, looks yeah. so clean. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, it, you know, when you're writing in a modern IDE, yeah. you really do rely on it to do a lot of that for you. Yep. And so, uh, you know, one of the first things I do with a new text editor is I go in and get all the settings going. Yep, yep. Like, um, we both just recently installed Visual Studio Code. Right. And I spent some time futzing with the, like, all the, you know, making sure the code styles are the way I do it. So when it autocorrects, I don't have to undo it. Yeah. Because there'll be sometimes when I won't think to do that and I'll spend a couple of days undoing a bunch of auto formatting before I realize that I should just go in and change the setting, mm. you know? Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I don't feel like I'm going to do enough of it and then I do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like when you, um, you know, I'm like, Oh, I don't need this if statement here. Like, right. okay, I'll get rid right. of that. I'm like, Oh, I got this whole, oh, I got to go into this thing and delete the bracket, put it back in. Oh, better <laughs> so much nice a nice strategy it. for that yeah um so i guess well, i want to talk about variable names okay you sort of uh, alluded to it uh, uh, yes. lane's particular way of doing it ah, we'll get to that lane i'm sorry um <laughs> but uh the sort of this i was looking up the way a lot of different languages do this yeah. and most of them are, are fairly similar mm-hmm. um but you'll have a camel case for variables and methods so camel cases first word is lowercase and every other word is uppercase no yeah. spaces no hyphens no underscores um, that's pretty standard for variables uh, title case uh, where every word is capital mm-hmm. um, including the first uh, that is used uh, actually it's not always called title case but I call it title case because I don't know um, that is used for classes mostly mm-hmm. um, um, and then there's also a kebab case which is a phrase I learned today okay kebab case is where you don't uh, uh, separate words with spaces but with hyphens what? so it looks like you've stuck a kebab Bob through your sentence. What? It's I like the name a lot. Uh, I like the name. Yeah. No, it's it's used very frequently in um a JavaScript uses it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it it's unfamiliar to me, but uh, JavaScript isn't uh, the frameworks and libraries they're not like dogmatic about it, but yeah. standard practice is variables are very often kebab case. Mm. Um uh, which is strange to me. There's also yeah. snake case, which is using underscores. Um, um okay. Yeah. Uh snake case is used a lot in PHP, I mm-hmm. think. 
Um, and then there's, uh, um, uh, it's sometimes called macro case, which is snake case, but everything is capitalized. That's used in many, many languages for constants. Mm. So if you have a string variable, that is something that never changes and you make it a constant, um, you will, the constant name will be in all caps snake case, uh, uh thing. Um, and it usually just refers to uh, various states or something. So, okay. um, so that way you, you can bring it up in an autocomplete. Is what it's for, but uh, for some reason, that's the standard in many, many languages. Um, the one thing that I learned recently, and I don't know why it took me this long to learn this, but in C Sharp, which is what you use in Unity, yep. methods use title case, where uh, functions, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, w- uh, which to me is so bizarre. Hmm, really? Yeah, because uh, okay. a, a title case for me should be things... They shouldn't be instances or instance variables. How do you how do you name your functions? What, do you, what I do you name them the same as variables because oh. that because functions are are they're all objects, right? So they're instanced objects, hey, and so okay. that and, and uh, C sharp is unique in that way. Java, uh, ActionScript, uh, JavaScript when it uses camel casing, mm-hmm. all, all a bunch of other of these high level languages. They're all yeah. similar mostly. They tend to follow that structure, but C sharp is different. Uh, it it for some reason capitalizes method cases okay. methods and I don't know why. I suppose I returned to I used to code when I was younger. I was like uh, when I was eleven. I used to code in Dark Basic, which was like a offshoot of Basic. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how everything was structured then because it was well. Basic, as far ago. as I remember, is just an all caps programming language. <laughs> that, you know what? That's probably what it was. Uh, but like I came back to coding using C Sharp and Unity and stuff. So mm-hmm. I that's what I'm familiar with. Um, so I guess I haven't really seen functions in other ways because I don't normally yeah. I don't really use other languages. Mm-hmm. So well, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I normally do it. Like, yeah, I use camel case uh, for variables and then the title case for for functions. Yeah, and I use I use title case also for like public variables that are referencing a private variable um, that use the like a get oh. the get and set. I'll I'll do I'll use I'll so use those, title case. Those are like methods that you use as if they were variables yeah. getters and setters uh-huh. yeah. um you use you use camel case for those i use title case oh, use, okay well that makes sense because yeah. they're methods yeah um that's it's just see that's that's an interesting way because mm-hmm. see that that doesn't seem weird right yeah because in because it, that's it's a, a getter or a setter is a, a getter particularly mm-hmm. is essentially functionally a variable um, but is also a method mm-hmm. and so which style should it use well it doesn't matter if they're both the same right yeah so that, i guess that's my that's my substantive argument against title casing methods okay um but also that i mean it's it's like when i when i create a new object like let's say my class is uh, um is is player right mm-hmm. so capital p player is the name of the object that mm-hmm. I, that is so i do lowercase uh player equals uh, or is uh, uppercase yeah. player right so that makes sense but if i want to create a new object that is an instance of or that is derives its value from a method. Like, I guess I could see why that would sort of makes sense in that case. I don't know. Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really arguing against it as it more. I'm like trying to get to the bottom of it. Like, why is it indifferent C sharp and nowhere else? Mm. Cause it's kind of nowhere else, at least from my brief research on the subject. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like this is not that interesting to talk as much as I have about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's it's weird. I but, find these things so fascinating yeah. because um, a lot of times these things have reasons and many of them are arbitrary mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't make them any less. That makes them more interesting, in fact. Yeah. Um, but I also want to talk about. Um, oh, yeah. The, the other weird one that I, I just had this written down mm-hmm. is in Objective-C, which if you're an iOS developer, you know Objective-C. It's a bonkers language and it's kind of gross. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, class names always begin with like um, a, a capital initialism 
of the namespace it's part of. Mm. So um, it'll be like NS um, is the, I forget the name of it now, what, what namespace that is of the namespace. But um, there's a, a bunch of them in Objective-C that, so every class you define starts with a bunch of random capital letters depending on the namespace it's in. But it's like, aren't you already defining your namespace somewhere? Mm. I, I don't know Objective-C very well. But those are just a little oddities. Every language has a couple of these. Yeah. That one's particularly unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Um, that is strange. Yeah. But I, so let's talk about how you name a variable. Okay. Because now this is like substantive. Like this is like, this is actually writing your, your code. Like how yeah. you decide uh, what to call a thing. And um, a lot of times uh, uh, there's something called Hungarian notation, which you may have heard of. And it's not really used that often, but uh-huh. it's often brought up in this topic because it's a way of deciding how to name things. So in a typed language where every variable you create is of a specific type yep. and can't be another type. Yep. Um, uh, C sharp is this way. ActionScript is this way. JavaScript is not um, that way. Um, you um, in a typed language, you don't have to any. The variable name does not have to carry information about its type. You know, it's not important because the compiler and the IDE know it or or you as you did it will it'll be sort of self-evident, you know, so if you have like player name is probably a string, right? Yeah, Uh, you don't have to really necessarily worry about it. Hungarian notation was something that was developed at Microsoft for developing Windows where it has these abbreviations that define not the type, but the purpose. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it would be the type, but it would, there, there's a whole list of, uh, it's a canonical list of purposes um, for these variables, but it would always preface the name of a variable. And that's because a lot of Windows written in C, which is not an object-oriented uh, language and is not, as far as I know, strongly typed. Um, uh, no one advises using Hungarian notation, but people bring it up because a lot of times people will, in fact, put the, the type or the purpose or something in the variable name. And I was wondering if you guys ever do that. Um, cause sometimes I'll find a variable in my code and be like, what is the point of this? Like, well, I know what type it is and I have to trace it back to where I defined it. I'm like, mm. oh, that's what this is for. It's usually cause I have not given it a, a, a semantic name. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't ever want to be so, I don't want to overload this, the, a name with, with defining what it is in that, in that way. I you know? see. Uh, I suppose, um, when I, when I define variables and things. I normally do it so that it's more readable in the inspector and Unity. Oh, I see. And it's so compartmentalized so that yeah. you probably don't ever have this problem. Well, oh yeah. Well, no, I do oftentimes have that problem because sometimes there's a bajillion and two variables in the yeah. inspector. I'm like, what the heck does this do? I don't even know. And then I get frustrated and I only need like three of the different variables yeah. most of the time. So I will... Um, have to go in the code and try to figure it out myself right right uh, based on what it does because i don't know sometimes they're just not named well or, or at this time i'm like i don't know what this means yeah and i have no idea what it means later on well let me ask um, you this so um it, things that go in the inspector those are all public variables yeah they um, are public they can you can put private ones in there too you just have to do so oh, inspectable or something yep, yeah yep. um uh, but for private variables that are uh-huh. just inside of a class or inside of a script yeah um do you do any special notation for that i do not i normally just would uh, label them the same way I would if I was going to put them in the inspector. See, that's something I do. I put okay. underscores before my private variables. Oh, or really? what are sometimes called instance variables. Huh. They, they exist only in that and cannot really? be accessed anywhere else. Yeah. Um, that's actually a pretty common style uh, in a lot of different languages. Hmm. Um, I find it incredibly valuable because it, um, as I'm reading code, especially because, and I get to reuse variable names. Uh-huh. So, for example, I, you know, if you're if you're doing a setter, for example, you have you know set. Um, you know, a uh, player name, 
right? Yeah. Well, that's going to set a private variable, which is called underscore player name. Mm. And that way I don't have to come up with like extra names for things. I can, um, I think that's a case where that kind of definition is pretty useful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Martha, do you use anything like that for instance or private variables? I mostly write in JavaScript. Right. Which so it doesn't, doesn't come up as often. Public and private. Well, a JavaScript is like a scope nightmare though. You have to keep track of where, where this is. Yeah. Right. Uh, I have seen it in PHP. Yeah. Uh, the underscore thing, but I have not used it myself. Mm-hmm. Also, it feels wrong to me. Yeah. To use underscores? Yes. Ah, see, that's really interesting because there's a reason for that. So if I have a class uh, called player and then I have uh, underscore name, it's a private variable. So it should not be able to be accessed from outside the player. Sure. So if I've created a player object in level mm-hmm. and I want to access the, the name of that player, I do player dot underscore name. That looks terrible. Yes. That is a clue to me that that should not, that that should not be a public variable. Right, oh. it should be player dot name. That's a public variable, mm-hmm. and so I, I, this is a, a supposition of mine. But huh. I think the underscore is designed to garble up that kind of look. So when you try to access a public variable of a of a instance object somewhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if it, if you're if you're accessing an underscore, it's because you accidentally set what should be a private variable as a public, or you actually named it as if it would be a private variable. Mm. It's also very useful when you're inside of a class. Because when you when you're working with those variables, anything that's uh, that has the underscore as you're working, you understand that you're working with with a variable that does not exist outside the universe of this class, and so it, it helps you just quickly understand scope as you're working. And I think that's pretty important. Okay, um, I, that yeah. takes foresight, though. A very little. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. There's another one that lot. I do that I. This is not very, as common as mm-hmm. as, as uh, labeling uh, instance variables, mm-hmm. um, which is I label variables that exist as an argument to a function. Yeah. So if you are defining a method or a function and you feed it in uh, um, arguments, you you have to come up with names for those arguments that you then use inside the block. Mm-hmm. And those only exist inside that block. Mm-hmm. So whenever I do that, I always precede them with a, um, a dollar sign, which is something I can only do in ActionScript. You can't do it in C-sharp. Oh, yeah. Because um, it, 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 it screws it up. And mm-hmm. you, there's other things you can do. Some people will say M to underscore. Or they'll use different letters to notate it. Um, uh, those kinds of things. But it's not a common practice. But I... I depend on it because when I'm inside of a, of a method or even inside of a class with the constructor on the class has arguments, I always preface it with something um, because those, those variables are special because they arrive to the block from outside. And so I don't want to ever change them. I don't want to ever depend on them for anything. Mm -hmm. They exist purely to be read. If you change them, what you should actually do is then do some operation on it and then give me a new variable that I could then work with. So that that's more of a a structure setup. And the way I notate that is by is by putting that dollar sign, Mm. Um, which, yeah, I learned only learned recently that I can't do that in other languages. (laughs) Um, it's, it's allowed in ActionScript. It's not allowed in most other places. You can do it in JavaScript. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, a lot of the times if you're using libraries and stuff, if you're using jQuery, you can't because because dollar sign is a function in jQuery that you're using all the time, Yeah, which is very weird. Mm. Um, but I I was, I was looking this up today. Like, uh, what do other people use for argument variables? And most people don't do anything. And that's very upsetting (laughs) to me because it, because it really helps me out. Mm, Okay. Um, My code editor will highlight them or like, uh, italicize them. 
Oh, that's really interesting. Really? Okay. What do you, uh, what do you use a, like IntelliJ? Uh, yeah. Jet, uh, web, web storm. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Nice. See that, see that, so that, uh, that eliminates the need for, for that. They're gonna make, they're making a C sharp editor. Yeah. I think, so. is it out already? What's the name yeah, of it? I think so. Writer. Yeah. Yeah. I got the sales pitch from them at, at um, it was at GDC. It was at something I went to. Yeah. They were ago. giving out. Um, cool things at their booth. So uh, I think we all went. That's, that's probably why I was there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested. But I, you know, I've been using Visual Studio Code, um, which I don't know if I've talked to you yet about Martha because um, you like MonoDevelop in Unity. Yeah, I will never use Visual Studio. Right, Visual Studio is really big and heavy, but Visual Studio Code is a very lightweight editor that is, <laughs> it's, it's really good. Martha's just It's everything head. that you like about MonoDevelop, she's, but none of the garbage that's not, bad about Monodevelop. She's not having it. She's going to just not <laughs> shake her head forever at me. <laughs> I don't know, Steven, I set you up with it. Do you like it? I, I haven't, I, I don't use it right now. Oh, you don't? I'm using it right now. That's fine. That's I'm, just, I'm using Visual Studio still. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's Man. a visual gag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martha's just shaking her head at us. Now, Visual oh. Studio is kind of a bummer because if you accidentally close it, you're like, oh, it's going to be another two, uh-huh. two minutes to open it up. Oh, my goodness, right? Um, but it, it is just, it's got better autocomplete. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's a better code editor, but it's too much if you're using Unity. Right. You don't need all of its all of its abilities. Right. And I, I, like, I like Visual Studio code. It's just that um, it uh, wouldn't. Oh, yeah, you were, having, you were having some problems with it. Yeah, yeah I was having yeah, problems yeah. with it. I think it would. I wasn't be, having those same problems, so I was right. perfectly happy with it. Yeah, and I think maybe it was just, maybe it just oh. doesn't implement. Well I love it. Unity it loads faster than Sublime Text, mm. which is like my go to speedy text editor mm-hmm. for like JavaScript and yeah. stuff. Um, and it has all of the power, uh, much of the power of Visual Studio. Um, and it's fully customizable and it's, it's, it's a, it's gorgeous and it has like full autocomplete and, it's really great. So I, I definitely recommend that to people mm-hmm. who are using Unity and are like sick of having to restart Visual Studio all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. Anyways. But yeah, that's interesting that um, that those that uh, that WebStorm will mark those variables because that's that's the reason I do that is to actually use them. And then that way I don't accidentally start mucking up uh, with them. But also it's very useful because I will have um, if I have a, a, an object that needs a name and I'm feeding in a name from the constructor argument, it'll be dollar sign name. And then my first line of code will be name equals dollar sign name. Like that feels that makes that makes sense to me rather than having to have like the argument be like, um, or a lot of times in JavaScript, you'll have name and you'll say, uh, this dot name equals name, which to me feels like, like just a disaster waiting to happen. (laughs) Um, but, uh, anyways, the real debate tabs versus spaces. Yeah, so uh, tabs, end of story? Tabs. tabs. Okay, all right, moving on. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about this topic is working with a team. Yeah. Because this is something you have more experience with. Yes. Uh, because you're working like day in and day out uh, with those guys. And right. so now's your chance to give Lane the business. I don't, there's nothing. Because he's going to hear this. No, Lane, I, I love your, your coding style. It's perfect. No, it's, lay it on us. <laughs> no, honestly, like I don't oftentimes have to interact with other, because we're just making a whole bunch of separate scripts. Yeah. We have way too many scripts and finches, which is a separate <laughs> issue. But we didn't know any better. That's when we were first kind coding. of a Unity thing, though. I it's think. not a Unity thing. You don't not think with, so? Not with our stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I don't oftentimes interact with Charles's or Lane's code because we're generally coding separate things. Sure. And but it was it's kind of interesting because I can tell who coded what based on their little inter, in uh, idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Like Lane always capitalizes his Fs uh, for for floats. 
Whereas I just lowercase them. Oh, sure. But um, <laughs> I can tell I can tell that land code because it capitalizes it. So I'll be like, well, this is land code. Yeah. And Charles does that stupid separate brackets thing that we were complaining Ugh, about earlier that we all Charles, don't do. Charles, how don't. dare you? Ugh. Shameful, really. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm just going to nag on him every episode. That'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I can tell that Charles coded that yeah. because, of, because of the differences. But we regularly don't have to interact very much. Uh, okay. But like when we do... Um, I, I just follow my own coding style and then I guess when Lane goes back in there or Charles goes back in there they'll put their own coding style in there yeah. it just do you ever go in and like I mean because I imagine sometimes you'll hand off the ownership of a script yeah do you then go in and like reformat it to your style just make it easier for yourself or I, I don't unless I have to go back in there and then I'll just reformat whatever I'm messing with oh. I don't like I don't have to like I don't want to go Ooh. in and that makes, that makes my bones itch like <laughs> Because it just looks inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I, I I don't have I don't have time to be yeah. formatting all of the scripts that we make. Yeah, I mean that's a practical <laughs> solution for sure. I, I've been recently I've been contributing to an open source project. That, yeah, uh, is a library I use in my game. Okay, and I've been contributing back to it, and I'm, that's been really great. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Martha teaching me more about Git, I feel like more confident to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, it's very frustrating to I have to avoid like just fixing the whole page. Uh, like, I'm uh-huh. just like nope. I'll just do it the way it's done already. And, yeah. and in this project, not every class is it's written by a couple of different people, you know, major contributors. Yeah. And they have slightly different styles sometimes. So I'm like, at least align between yourselves and I'll do whatever. <laughs> so I get, uh, I get I get all wiggly about it. Uh. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand. At the end of the yeah. day, you're just coding some things. Yeah. It's all going to look stupid to most people. <laughs> they don't know what code looks like. <laughs> I mean, and it's, I thought you were talking about the resulting game. Oh, no. <laughs> Your game is going to be great. Yeah. The code might not look great. Mm. There's no such thing as good code. Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. There you go. It's like a thing you just have to accept, you know? <laughs> there we go. End of the session right there. Yeah. There's no such thing as good code. Do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's not, that's not a great message to go out on. I know. I, because I do think because uh, there there is value to code aesthetics yeah and particularly i mean for working by yourself then really all bets are off make whatever rules you want yep. um, it does help to learn how to write in someone else's code style this is important if you have a job where you have to conform to a department style or to a department head style yeah if it, especially if it's someone who really cares about these things um you know someone is going to make you use spaces and I know you're going to want to kill you yourself. Just leave. <laughs> There's now, better things to do. With that your is, life. of course, the first and best option. Right. But if that is not something you can do, yeah. um, you know, you got to learn how to how to adapt. And so I think it's important to know some of the background of some of this stuff. And mm. I'll, we'll dump a bunch of stuff in the show notes. It's this was mostly my excuse just to talk about a lot of little things, um, which you know, mission accomplished. A lot of technical things. Sometimes you guys are talking about things, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this one I could get into. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I did like it. So Martha, you had a topic you wanted to talk about, but then you decided you wanted to put more research into it. Yes. So you called an audible on us last minute. Yes. And, and so what are we going to be talking about? Uh, well, I said shooters. Yeah. But really, I just want to talk about Splatoon 2. (laughs) It is such a good game, you guys. Yeah. That's a weird title. Splatoon 2. Like, yeah, (laughs) just it like it, it tumbles its way out of your mouth. They missed an opportunity. That Splatoon. Splatoon. Right? Nah, see, I wouldn't like that either. Uh, yeah, it would have looked weird, to be honest. <laughs> but they still missed the opportunity. Mm-hmm. It would have been cool. Mm. <laughs> so t- uh, tell us about what's so great about this game. Well, um, it's a game for the Nintendo Switch where you are play a squid now, you're a kid now, <laughs> then you're a squid now. Um, and 
So you you play a little character who can who is a kid, and then they can you can also turn into a squid. And you covered that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but um, uh, and you when you're a kid, you have a squirt gun that can squirt uh your color your team's color of squid ink, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to cover the whole uh level in more your color squid ink than the other team's color squid ink. Right. And whoever has the most squid ink coverage wins. Right. So it's kind of like Metro Nexus then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just, dang it. They just, <laughs> they just took a <laughs> You know what? There's something that's really interesting as well as Splatoon that I didn't think about until recently. Yeah. Is that Super Mario Sunshine has a lot in common <gasps> with Splatoon. Yes. Yeah. It does because you are constantly trying to uh, clean up ink, which is effectively just putting your own ink in Splatoon 2. Um, and if you clean up the ink, you can slide on the water in, in Super Mario Sunshine, which makes you faster, <gasps> just like in Splatoon. Yeah. So huh. I think they got a lot of that from that, maybe. I, I wonder. Feel like that they might have gotten some of that. I from mean, Nintendo is one of the last video game companies where people stay for their entire careers. And I do know that with the first Splatoon, uh, famously, because it's like a new IP, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about, like, oh my. Nintendo, a new IP? How amazing. Um, and this is true with ARMS as well, where like Nintendo is handing the reins to its sort of younger generation of designers, finally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they have so much institutional memory. And they have tons of like things in file cabinets like waiting to be re-explored. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some uh, inspiration or some lineage from that mechanic. Uh-huh. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Hmm. Yeah, it's cool because your squid ink is like, you can when you turn into a squid, and you you can go through your color squid ink really really quickly. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most interesting mechanic is the traversal. It depends on how much territory you have. Yep. How, I went, and that's really curious how that um, if you're losing, you also lose the ability to traverse your area. So yeah, if you're getting stomped, it spirals really really quickly. Okay, but um, I've made quite. I also play one too, and I've made comebacks pretty frequently in yeah. that game. Uh, I don't. How do I go about doing it? I guess. Uh, you just have to be strategic and like, cause because you have less area to move, there's less, less you have to worry about. You just mm-hmm. need to start making space. And so mm-hmm. when you start making space, you start pushing against the opponent. Yeah. It makes it easier to keep pushing. And so that, I suppose what that also does yeah, is, back and forth. um, mm-hmm. it, it, if you're able to move quickly for, through your own territory, it means yep. you can get to the border very quickly, no yes. matter how big your space is. Right. Right. And so that's probably, that might actually be a balancing mechanic so that if someone if you have a lot of territory, it makes it harder to defend it. Yes. Perhaps. Yep. Um, and so it keeps the battle on the front lines all the time. Yeah. I suppose. Yep. Yeah. Until you get crazy and you just like splinter off and do your own thing. <laughs> and go off on a side route and then end up having like at the end or in the middle, you can also look at it. Uh, but you can see the map from a, from above. Yeah. And sometimes you can see these, this random little like trails off into the enemy (laughs) camp that you're like, wow, how'd they get all the way over there? Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Like my first strategy when I come out of the gate is to just get ink as far as possible because getting away to quickly get into enemy territory is like the more that happens, the easier it is to win. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. What, what gun do you use? (laughs) <laughs> um i really like the shiny chrome looking one. Oh, the um oh the everyone uses that one i can't think of the <laughs> yeah. name of it but that one yeah mm, you're one and of I, those also, players. I also like the uh the well i like different ones for different maps yeah yeah 
like I really like the roller for the one that looks like a skate park. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about the the you know the one. <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about unless you played the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so yeah. So that's one thing I wanted to talk about uh, was the level designs um, because I think they're so interesting and clever mm-hmm. um, because they have to be. We were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. not. Maybe that wasn't on mic, but that the the levels have to be symmetrical. Yeah. Um. Because I wondered for a while, because I was like, why do I keep being spawned on the same side? Like I've never been on the other side, and then realized, oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> they're always <laughs> they're the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not unique to that game, though. I mean, like, um, like Halo, uh, Capture the Flag, or back when back when I used to play Quake, and those genres are being invented, the mm-hmm. team shooters very frequently would have symmetrical maps. They would. Right? I yeah. guess I didn't notice it when I played Halo. That's yeah. true, but like in Halo, there are a whole bunch of different, I guess there are different mode types in Splatoon. Right, right. In, like the Capture the Flag ones are spe- right, the red specifically, versus blue or whatever, yeah, they're kind specifically of, yeah. um, meant to be symmetrical. Whereas yeah. like if you're just doing a team deathmatch thing, those don't have to be symmetrical. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's usually a Capture the Flag kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, but... um. Level design and shooters, I am unfamiliar with, largely because I don't play a ton of shooters. Yeah. Most of the time, they're first-person shooters, uh, and so I don't really have a lot of experience with them, and I, I don't really like first-person shooters very much. I prefer third-person shooters. It's interesting because you have to design it based on however your game works, like for example, in Tribes, where they have to have that weird uh, slope sliding mechanic thing where you can skid down um hills and stuff to yeah. get more momentum to move extremely quickly mm-hmm. so uh you have to design the, the like those maps are huge because you can move so you can traverse the map so much um but in other games uh the maps are probably smaller and more close-knit as a result uh yeah i don't know like i i, I don't have a lot of experience with shooters like i said i don't I, how do you guys feel about it um so, you know, there's like Quake 3 Arena, for example. It usually has really open maps because there's lots of jumping in that game. Mm-hmm. So you need lots of space to move, right? Yeah. And then there are certain types of shooters that are really very much corridor-based where there's lots of ambush points, you mm-hmm. know? In third-person shooters, they, it's always open top, so you can get the cam moving around, yeah. you know? Um, and But uh, third-person multiplayer shooters, I'm thinking of, mostly I'm thinking of like modes in single-player games, oh, like yeah. Uncharted or, or Mass Effect or something that used yeah. that. Um, I'm probably ignoring some giants in that field that are not Splatoon. Lost Planet. <laughs> okay. Planet Side. <laughs> also Planet Side. You know. But Lost Planet, oh, I love that game. That was a third-person shooter that I played. Lost Planet, Lost Planet 2. Don't play Lost Planet 3. <laughs> just ignore it it doesn't exist yeah i don't know why i even brought it up why are why they haven't made a lost planet 3 uh <laughs> but um steven is so amused with himself right now <laughs> i know i am i amuse myself yeah uh but i i really like lost planet because the the, it, the way that you traverse in that game is mm-hmm. uh you everybody has a um a zipline thing yeah so like you can and you can attach to any um any uh i think I think you could attach to any uh, surface you wanted to right. you could attach to floors and stuff. So that's how people would move around. They would shoot out their zip line and grab up the ground and then move forward. And then we just constantly do that. But in general, movement is very slow. It feels a lot like Monster Hunter in that way. And okay. that like every action is like deliberate. If you make this action, you are stuck in this action for a couple of seconds. Huh. Uh, Interesting. 
Yeah, even even with the shooting and stuff, it was like that. You had you had the ability to roll, and it gives you uh, a few moments of a vulnerability when you did it too. But like everything, it felt like it felt in it, it was like an intense combat situation. It was mm-hmm. really it was really good how yeah. that worked out. Um, and the second one was just like that. Uh, it's it what was different about the first one from the second one is the first one. It really felt more like you were on your own because there's there's also this this thermal energy that you have to constantly get. Mm-hmm. You get it from killing enemies or like getting next to uh, um there are little stations you can get energy from uh but it felt like because the maps were a lot larger it felt more you felt more like i was alone and i was fighting these things sure fighting people uh it was like a weird guerrilla warfare thing whereas in lost planet 2 it was like a lot more wilder the the maps were in general closer together and stuff okay so it felt more like a all all free-for-all match craziness yeah uh, so I, cool. I heard they made a third one no Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> There's yeah. Okay, the third one. <laughs> it exists. You don't have to talk about okay, it. Okay, good. I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> huh. I don't know. I guess I in general prefer third person games. So like when I see a first person shooter, I'm less interested in it than I would be in a first per- a third person shooter. Yeah, I, I prefer third person games in general and many of them do have shooting, <laughs> but I it's hard to describe them as shooters. Yeah. Right? Splatoon is interesting because that is the main mechanic and you are almost constantly shooting. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which that's, that's extra fun about that one, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. true. Well, and also yeah, it's so unique in all of its-ness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I generally like first-person shooters a lot. Yeah, Splatoon's like basically the only third-person one I play. Right, like you play a ton of Overwatch, right? Yeah, I play a lot of Overwatch. It's interesting the differences between Splatoon and Overwatch, <laughs> um, because in Splatoon, your shooting is mostly like you can choose whether you're just covering ground or whether you're actually shooting at people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and whereas Overwatch is all about shooting the other people. Um, so like the the uh, strategies on how you want to go about like picking your weapons and your positions and all of that are totally different. Right. Um, and you never sort of want to be off not contributing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where in Splatoon you can be off in a corner painting stuff. And you are contributing. And you are contributing. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're both, uh, they both are conducive to like squad play. Mm-hmm. but in different ways yeah that's sort that's of fascinating true. yeah there was there was one first person shooter game that i did play it was called section eight and it had a. Uh, it didn't i mean you don't paint the ground or anything but it had a whole bunch of different objectives mm-hmm. like you could uh, uh i think you could like repair a thing and you could spend a whole bunch of time doing that yeah and other people could defend you while you were doing it you didn't have to focus on shooting and there was a lot less of an emphasis on it i think that a lot of the reason why i don't like first person shooters Aside from the fact that I just don't like the perspective very much because I just prefer instead of being a person, I prefer like seeing the person do actions separately from myself um, is that like they're oftentimes focused on shooting and aiming and stuff. And as much as I enjoy like mastery and trying to get better at stuff, I don't want to <laughs> learn how to aim at stuff. That's why you play with the mouse and keyboard because then you're just pointing and clicking. Why <laughs> we just had this discussion. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. All my games with controllers. One of the reasons I like shooters with controllers in particular, and why first player ones are good for me, Uh because like there's nobody who you know those computer enemies. They're not. They're no match for me. Yeah, it's because I love strafing around a corner, and doing that with a mouse and keyboard is so clunky and stupid. 
Like, <laughs> and and being able to whip around 180 degrees uh-huh. in a quarter second, which mm-hmm. is the that is required if you're playing with a mouse and keyboard. It is to me that's just dumb. Like I don't like that. I don't. I and I, it's, it doesn't. It looks silly, and I it just it's not realistic. And so for for all these silly dumb reasons, I'm I just prefer to play first person shooter with a controller, which means I can't play multiplayer games. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just feel more comfortable with a controller, so I would prefer that. Yeah. I mean, definitely, if you are a competitive first-person shooter player, you play with keyboard and mouse, hands down, because you're just disadvantaging yourself by using a controller. Right. But I just would prefer disadvantaging myself <laughs> in that case. <laughs> yeah. Just, But I don't play shooters that much. Yeah. I was that guy in Call of Duty that walked around with the riot shield. Instead of shooting things, I would just uh-huh. walk up to people and doop in the head. And you just hit them twice. You go doop, yeah. doop, and then they're down. Yeah, That's I think one fun. thing I would like about Overwatch if I ever got into it is the fact that I could it has more of those that class based kind of gameplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to be a twitch shooter necessarily. Right, you could just focus on healing or whatever, yeah. which is nice, I suppose. It's, I mean, it, I mean you and I both are not super on board with shooters exactly. Yeah. Um but what if we were to design one? Oh. Right? Like what would how would we be how would we make something that we would like? I would make it slower paced. Yeah. And third person. <laughs> Basically just make Lost Planet. <laughs> Lost Planet 3, I'd make that. <laughs> don't they already no oh, okay. <laughs> yeah um yeah i guess like a slower paced game where it's not the the aiming isn't as important but it is is there's more of an emphasis on uh, uh i guess like i don't know interplay between two players yeah um slower paced you don't die as quickly sort of thing mm-hmm. would be more interesting for me i would definitely want to do an objective based shooter. Yeah. Mm. Um, I like, um, this is not uncommon. I'm not, I don't have a lot of experience with it, but I know the games like this exist where, um, you don't, your goal isn't just to kill the enemy. It's also to like hold the base or turn on the generator or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like different things like that, but I would love to see something where it's very like a tight corridor game where you do a lot of hiding around corners that you have to advance section by section. And there are objectives along the way. Like, I think that would be a lot of fun Mm. uh, to do it with a team. Um, or even a even as a, a one-on-one kind of experience that might be kind of fun. Okay. Um, I mean, they do that a little bit in Call of Duty. There are um, demolitions. Yeah. Demolition options where like, them, I think there are, I don't know if there are, I can't remember if there are specific maps for it or not. Yeah. But um, you uh, can, uh, what you're supposed to do is one team is supposed to defend um, a, a player and or, or, um, dis- defend these stations and the other person is supposed to advance and try to get these stations. And so you could split your focus on all of them or focus on one or there's a whole bunch oh, of different okay. squad tactics and things. It's kind of, it's not exactly like what you're See, describing. I, I, that sounds cool, but yeah. I want something more linear than that. Okay. Where there's like a, there is a front line of battle yeah. that you advance or remove. Uh-huh. Um, that would be, I don't know. Aren't, isn't the, isn't there like a, what's that thing that people are always talking about in, in Overwatch, the loader or the, the, the thing you're supposed to push to keep it moving. The payload? Yeah, that thing. That no one's ever on? Yeah. Except for me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, what were you asking me? I, I guess I wasn't really asking it. Oh. I was just it, it isn't that kind of like what Mark's talking about? Where like you have to stay in this linear path and push this thing forward. Yeah, I guess, but what you were more saying was like there'd be checkpoints. Well, yeah. I guess, but you bring the payload to checkpoints. Mm-hmm. But you're thinking more like you have to get to this thing. Yeah, I'm thinking like um, I- I'm basically imagining like a single player l- game, but where it's a it's opposed on both sides. Mm. So you have to like you race to the middle, and in the middle you like activate a sequence or control a power station or something, okay. and then 
then you move the front line forward and then you need to make it to the next thing to do a different task. It would be like, there'd be varied gameplay. If you know, Mm -hmm. in some cases you'd get to the next stage and you have to do some defending. Well, one player does something and other times you would need to do a thing where all the players need to take care of a thing in sequence and only one player is left to shoot at the enemy. So the other team could then uh, foil you and then you would have to retreat back to the last one Uh. to prevent the other team from continuing there. Something like that. Uh That would seem kind of fun because the gameplay would be kind of episodic. You'd have these little moments and you could, you could advance and retreat and like that. There seems to be a lot of drama inherent in that. Yeah. And you could also design it so that it could be different types of players. But then I'm, I'm, even though I like games where you have uh, players have different roles on a kind of a squad, I'm not as excited about the characters being different that I've, I've never liked class based characters so much. Um, there are plenty of good games that I play that are fine with that. Like but, vengeance, like vengeance, for example, <laughs> but like I much prefer that being decided upon by players based on the condition. Like, I think that's, that seems more of a pure kind of notion of okay. it. This is, I'm just describing my fantasy game here that like, <laughs> like everything is awesome and nothing is terrible. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Martha, what would you do? You have more experience in this area. What kind mm, of game? It, not if it's not Splatoon two. What would be the game that you would want to make? Borderlands three. <laughs> um, <laughs> because Borderlands is my favorite game. Mm-hmm. Um, something with lots of explosions uh-huh. and bright colors. Right. Call of Duty. No, no bright colors. She said. Oh, bright colors. My mistake. <laughs> no, I don't like realistic. That's the thing about. Is that I don't like a lot of shooters that people traditionally think are shooter like of when they say shooters. Yeah, you mean war, like war games? War games. Yeah, I don't like anything realistic where it's like you're some black ops person killing another. Like, doesn't that doesn't appeal to me? Right, because yeah. that's like wish fulfillment uh, kind of fantasy, and like I kind of agree with you. Like that is not a wish I have. So. Yeah, like war simulators, simulation sort of things are less appealing. Unless it's like strictly literally a war simulator thing. Like Call of Duty is a, I guess it is a fantasy. It's a power fantasy sort of thing. Oh, of course, yeah. Whereas I like, don't have a problem, much problem with that necessarily. Like it being this unrealistically powerful like, Oh, but if, thing. It's, if it's like simulating a war, it's more, you know, like yeah, that as I, much? Yeah, it glorifies a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that sounds kind of, I mean, we had our whole violence episode and I did like, I don't have a problem with violence in games. I don't have a problem with ridiculous violence or gratuitous violence in game necessarily. But I think that there's a difference between that and, and, and the, the fantasy of wanting to be a real soldier in a real war, I feel is even if it's not, I don't imagine the, you know, the, the, the people who play these games are literally fantasizing about going to war Mm -hmm. um, or that they have any kind of like emotional imbalance or anything. It just seems to me that that, that is a weird wish to have to want to be in that fantasy in particular. That seems I I, I cannot relate to that in any Do way. Do you have an issue with civil war reenactments? But that's performative, right? I mean, I mean, one could argue it's not that. like it's not like paintball in red and in blue and gray, is it? Where like you don't know who the winner is. <laughs> oh well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Although I do think that's a silly hobby. I don't have the same kind of issue with it. I mean, it. LARPing is also a silly hobby, but people do. <laughs> that's true. I don't know. I I guess, oh, now we're talking about war simulations. Well, <laughs> I, I guess um, to me, it makes more sense to have a war simulation because y- you sort of get to experience that in a perspective that you wouldn't normally be able to experience it. Whereas with power fantasy things like Call of Duty, they're just, I mean, whatever, that's fine if you want to do that. But it just seems like it doesn't make sense to me. I wish there were other kinds of fantasies. 
yeah. you could have more regularly. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about shooters. Yeah. <laughs> so br- lots of explosions, uh, bright colors. Yes. yes. Uh, and little cute robots. Cute robots and Ooh. really interesting uh, characters to play. Okay. Uh, Wait, this sounds like Borderlands. <laughs> it is Borderlands. I would just make Borderlands again, except for the cute robots part. There's a cute. What robot are you talking? He's not cute. You huh. don't like clap. We're gonna have to talk about this afterward because <laughs> Claptrap is possibly the best robot that has ever existed, and I want one. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. I don't really have any comment. I mean, I'm all, I'm for all robots everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know enough about this character to have an opinion, really. <laughs> I know enough to have an opinion. Steven wouldn't oh. go to his birthday party. He would not. <laughs> He'd stay at home. Wow. <laughs> Just like everyone else did in the video game. Oh, is that what happened? Yes, you're the only one who shows up to his birthday party. Oh. Anyway, um, spoilers. Shooters are great. So it's for- not really the mechanics that draw you then. It's uh, it's. Um, you, you said something like this on the show before where like the mechanics are, of course, always important. But that isn't always the first oh, thing you I think love of. Shooter mechanics. Yeah. They're yeah. really, really fun. Especially it's just pointing and clicking, yeah. basically. And I love pointing and clicking. Especially if it results in destruction at the other it's, end. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but I just don't necessarily say, Oh, I like shooters because people then think, Oh, Call of Duty. I suppose. Which is not the type of shooter that I like. Yeah. Right, right. I have to be like, I like Borderlands. Like it has to be so many games that I play, it does it has to do with aesthetics and, yeah. and story and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I really like shooter mechanics, but they have to come with like aesthetically and I don't know. Right. It's a things. whole it's a whole package. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you there. I think I think we share that. Yeah. But like first or third person, what do you prefer? I I prefer first person. Okay. I find first person easier to play because the camera doesn't run move around as much (laughs) yeah uh and also i like being immersed in games Mm. yeah yeah i also like being immersed in games but i find it unimmersive to be in first person because it makes me feel like i am the person when i am not the person but i want to be the person I, I don't want to be the person. That <laughs> it's the same reason. It's the same issue I have with VR games. They, I find those to be not as immersive too, because it, it's making me feel like uh, you're actually there when I'm not, but you are, Steve. but I know I'm not. And it makes it feel like I'm supposed to be, but I'm not. And it just, it doesn't feel, it feels weird. It feels like I'm experiencing something in another person's body when I'm not that person. Man, we're like at the end of the show, and we just opened up a whole avenue. Oh, I really yeah. want to talk about this, but we're going to have to table it, I think. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, we're not talking about VR. We're talking about shooters. So yeah, let's. I would say that's a good, good ending point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our show with a tease of more to come, perhaps. Yes. Uh, if you have not already, please subscribe to us uh, in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us we need to know you're out there so leave a review and tell all your friends too of course you can always give us feedback on the brand new well it's a brand new but new and improved feedback form yeah uh, which they can find where guys nicegames.club slash feedback all right head there now and let us know what you think of this and other shows what you'd like to hear more about on the show and uh you know what we're doing right and wrong because mm-hmm. it uh it helps us move forward the feedback we've gotten has uh, helped us uh truck along it has so the, the more we get the better and so that that means you 
the person listening now. Send us that feedback at Martha. Nice games dot club slash feedback. Cool. I've got you guys trained like <laughs> dogs now on this. It's really good. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Use my powers for something else later. Uh, we're on Reddit as well. Uh, check out the show notes there. We post them every week at r slash game dev. Uh, it's where you can talk about the show with other listeners uh, if you want to pipe in and let everyone else know what you think about the various topics. Uh, so do that. Uh, we also hear directly from you, of course. So follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club is where you'll find us. Let us know how we're doing. Send us your topics and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at NiceGames.club. And so, until we start again, remember to play nice and bank nice. Martha, do you have any puns in you for a transition? Martha fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, you weren't supposed to tell anybody. Um, well, you really want uh, to control your coding style. Mm. No, nope. you're slipping, you're slipping, McGarry. Your your control. It's like tab or control, right? Am I right? <laughs> This is getting. This is going in here. You get, you get you get full marks just based on the smirk you gave me after you said that. It's <laughs> going in. What? Dale's in the document. Hmm. Dale is in the document. Is Dale? <laughs> Evil Games Club invades. So wait, what? Okay, so this is sorry. <laughs> a little behind the scenes here. We 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 have a Google Doc where we do our show notes, and we're all we're all looking at it right now. And uh, my wife Dale, a member of Evil Games Club is has invaded this document well we are in the house well all right let's just say hi dale